Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, this is the Daily Bible Podcast. I'm Pastor PJ. Welcome. I'm Pastor Rod. It's a good day to be alive. Hey, 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 this is Pastor PJ. That's not what I sound like. (laughs) That's close. Oh, man. Whatever. Uh, The Rangers. Ha, ha, ha. That's exactly what I say. Every other word. Rangers. Brisket. Brisket. (laughs) meat. (laughs) Well. I feel like the audience probably was was, uh, sincerely deceived. They thought that I was you. Probably. Hey, have you ever slowed a podcast down and listened to it on half speed? Yes, and I wouldn't recommend it. It's, Only on accident. I don't even know why that speed exists. It's really pretty comical when you do it. Yeah. It, people sound drunk. You will. Yes. Which is weird to listen to your pastors sound intoxicated while. Again, yeah. do not recommend it. Yeah. If anything, I'd say speed us up. Speed us up. Triple time. Yeah. In fact, I'd like to know who listens to us the fastest because I think we talk pretty fast as a rule. And if you're listening to us at double or triple speed, I'm, I'm impressed. I have people tell me all the time that we need to slow down or that I need to slow down. Well, as well as you're on a podcast, you can yeah. slow it down anytime you want. That's true. You can. Yeah. Speaking of which, if you're just using Spotify or the Apple app, which if you're using either of those, please like and review our podcast. It really does help get it out further. But there are other options out there for you. Um, I know, Pastor Rod, you use, uh, what do you use, Pocket Cast? I use and love Pocket Casts. It's my favorite podcast app. Yeah, I use Overcast, which is uh, another one. Now, these are going to be subscription-based. They're not super expensive for the year. I can't remember. I think I paid 10 bucks for Overcast for the year. Yeah, I mean, if you're a podcast user, they're well worth the investment. Yeah, they are. It, you can set a playlist. You can con- a lot more speed control. You can close even the, the, the white space or the dead air between words and, and sentences. You can shorten that so yeah. that it's not there, so right. that your podcast is shorter. You can boost vocals to make it louder. Yep. There's so many different things that you can do. So Good po- things. Pocket Cast, Overcast, those are two that we would recommend. Yeah. But still rate us. Yeah. yeah. In still fact, rate if us. you find value in this podcast, if you have ever liked it and felt like, oh, that was helpful, then I would encourage you maybe maybe download set it up to auto download. Auto download. And then just rate us and let us know how we're doing. Rate Send us it. an email, let us yeah. know what we're doing and how we can improve. We want to get better. Yep, we do. We do. Well let's get into Daniel chapter nine. Let's start. Daniel chapter nine opens up with Daniel over 80 years old now. So think back to the beginning of the book. You had Daniel taken from from Israel, taken from Jerusalem as a, a teenager. teenager. Yeah. Now he's over 80 years old. He's, uh, this is around 539 BC or thereabouts when it opens up. He's reading what? He's reading his Bible. He's wording, reading the, the scroll, the prophet Jeremiah. He had access to it. He was able to read it. While he's reading this, he comes to Jeremiah 25, 11 through 12, or Jeremiah 29, 10, and realizes, oh, wait a minute, the exile is only supposed to be 70 years. We're coming up on the end of that. And then he gets this burden that I don't think is, I don't think this is Daniel going, oh man, let's hurry up and repent so that the exile can come to an end. I think Daniel really honestly just is, is burdened for the, the Lord to restore his people and realizes, man, we have been a sinful nation and a sinful people. And so much of chapter nine is a prayer of repentance from Daniel. It's, it's, it involves confession there uh, up and th- through verse seven thereabouts. It, it involves ownership of sin there beginning in verse eight, where he's owning the, 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 the sins of the people. 
there's recognition of their transgression. There's recognition of their actions uh, that they have have drawn the curse of God as a result of breaking the law of Moses. And then it ends in, in 16 through 19 with just this these petitions for God's mercy, that God would be gracious and merciful to his people and fulfill his promise to restore his people that Daniel had just read about there in Jeremiah chapter 25 and 29. So pretty cool that you've got Daniel reading his Bible. And that's a, a great reminder to us, man. We need to be people that read our Bibles and not just read them, but then take action on it after we read it. Yeah. And well into his old age too, which is encouraging because young and old, we all need the word of God. One of the things I found especially cool about this is that Daniel identifies with the people. He doesn't just say, God, forgive them. At verse five, he says, hey, we have sinned. We have done wrongly and acted wickedly and we've rebelled. So I find it so fascinating that Daniel Daniel relates to them in a way that doesn't just say, hey, I'm with you. You guys have sinned. You've messed up. But we, we have sinned. I appreciate that. And I feel like that's a, that's a heart of a true intercessor. Someone who prays for his people is someone who identifies with them and even identifies with their sin. Daniel knows he's not perfect, but he prays alongside with them. Speaking of prayer, I find this chapter incredibly encouraging for those of us who struggle to pray. Think about this. Daniel starts praying and he doesn't find an immediate answer. But when Gabriel is dispatched to give Daniel and answer. He says in verse 23, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out and I've come to tell it to you for you are greatly loved. And then he goes on to tell him about the 70 weeks, but just know here uh, he, he's dispatched at, in response to the prayers that Daniel offers. Do not give up praying. Praying is effective. James chapter five, right? We just read it recently. It's powerful and effective to those who use the tool and persist in it. So don't give up. Keep praying. As the uh, chapter continues, there's an answer to Daniel's prayer, and there's one who brings it, and the one that brings it is Gabriel. And I love what it that's says cool. in, in verse 23, that Daniel is greatly loved. He, that's that's the second or third time that he said that about yeah. Daniel. Yeah, and he's going to say it again, I think, in, in the next chapter, or maybe chapter 11. But Gabriel's answer involves 70 weeks. Now, the book of Daniel, a lot of times people know a lot of different things about it. They'll talk about Daniel in the lion's den. They'll talk about uh, perhaps Rakshak and Benny. Um this is one of the other things that comes up oftentimes is the 70 weeks or 70 sevens 70 sevens is what it, it literally is and it's it's taken to be uh these uh, these represent representations there of weeks and these weeks should be translated then as what as years right and so when you get into this this is a a, a layout of the time frame of what to expect in the future that's pretty detailed and when would these 70 weeks begin? Well, the 70 weeks were going to begin, verse 25, understand that from the time, from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one of prince, sh- there shall be seven weeks. These are the first seven weeks. This is the, the initial uh, commission. This is the initial release. This is the initial going out. And then it says from there, though there shall be seven weeks and is what it should say there, 62 weeks, not seven weeks then for 62 weeks. And that's where I take issue with this translation in the ESV, uh, that it, it the, the ESV has a different eschatology than we do. They've got a different understanding of the future. They've got a different understanding of even some of the, the history that's taken place than we do. It's it's largely from a covenant perspective rather than a dispensational perspective. The Hebrew bears out there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Here's an example where the editors of the ESV, and this is not heresy, but we see some of their slant come in in their interpretation when they put a period there and then say then. Here's why this matters. The seven weeks begins in 445 BC. 69 weeks, which if it's seven weeks and 62 weeks until the coming of the prince, guess where that puts you? The end of 69 weeks puts you right at the incarnation of Jesus. You puts you right there from the from 40, 445 BC 
take that, you've got 400 or what's 69 times seven. Pastor Rod, do you have that off the top of your head? Uh, 69 times seven. If you just speak slowly, I would tell you 483. 83 years. So 483 years puts you right there at the, uh, at the, the, the earthly ministry and crucifixion of Jesus. Thereabouts in that same time frame, in that same wheelhouse. So 70 weeks until then. And then you'll notice in the text, the prince is going to be cut off. Um, what does that mean? Okay, we're referring to here the Messiah. The Messiah is going to be cut off. This is the death of Christ. This is the crucifixion of Jesus. Then you've got here a, a break. And the break is between that and the final week. And the final week is going to be, and this is yet future. It hasn't yet happened. The final week is going to be the week of the tribulation. That is the seven years of judgment that's going to follow after Christ comes back for his church. At the end of the seven years, he's going to return. Then there's going to be the millennial kingdom. So the 70 weeks, you've got 69 weeks from the decree of Artaxerxes that, that freed the Israelites to return to Jerusalem until the, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Then you've got a break for the church age. Then you've got the final seven weeks there of the 70 weeks that uh, make up the tribulation period. So I just want to offer a quick note on verse 26 here. Verse 26, um, Pastor PJ is saying something that you need to understand in, in its... Uh, in the most charitable way possible. You can say, and after. You can say that. It's it's a viable translation. Is is it the most accurate? That's debatable. In fact, if you're looking at a good Hebrew lexicon, it doesn't say, and then. Uh, the conjunction is a wa. It's a, it's a wa. So it can be, and it most often is translated, and. Can it be a then? Yes, it can be. It can be. But that's far less used and, and far, I mean, so we're talking about 75, probably 75, 70, 80% here of the times that this conjunction is used. It's used as an and and not a then. It is used as a then probably 5% of the time. So it's it's possible. It's just not probable. And especially when you're looking at it from, from our vantage point. So for those who do translate it that way, they're doing it because they interpret it a certain way, right. which requires them to translate it in a certain way. No nefarious uh, desires here. They're, they're not evil people. They we love the ESV. We preach from this from the ESV, right. but no translation is perfect. Exactly. Like we talked about, I think, yesterday's podcast. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. But they're, they're good, though. Let's yeah. just say that. If you have an English Bible and you never learn the languages behind them, that's okay. Yep. You have something amazing and good in your hands. Yeah. So why, though, the break between the 69 weeks and the, and the 70th week? Why do we think that? Well, because of what's described in the 70th week. What's described in the 70th week has not yet happened which leads us to understand that this is a yet future fulfillment. It's that, suspended. That's waiting, right? right? So it's suspended. So there's a break right now during the church age. That's the, the church dispensation is what we would say. That 70th week will be fulfilled, will be realized in its, in its totality. And that's some of what we've been studying about in these earlier chapters. Chapter 7, this is the 10 kingdoms. This is the little horn. This is everything that's going to fall out during that time. That's all going to take place during the 70th week. And midway through that 70th week is when the tribulation really turns up and the heat really gets ratcheted up against God's people. And then God eventually puts an end to everything when Christ returns and that's the final defeat. And then we've got the millennial kingdom. Hey, we'll do our best to connect some of these thoughts in Revelation with uh, what we're reading here in Daniel 9. Yeah. Because that's coming up soon. Um, but just, again, be patient with yourself if this is not quite clicking. Just just be patient with yourself and recognize that as you read this, a lot of godly people have come before you and have found themselves similarly complexed, yep. <laughs> wondering, okay, what do I do with this? Be patient, recognize it. We're going to do our best to guide you through it. Just be patient. 
Don't, yeah. don't get discouraged. Stay in your Bible. This is so good for you. Yeah. Somebody asked me, by the way, on Sunday, they said, hey, you know, Pastor PJ, you, you mentioned in that one passage in, in John that it says that he asked Jesus to come, but really the verb tense there is he was imploring him. He was begging him. He was like, how do I, how can I, how can I see that? How do I see that? What is, what is my study Bible? How do I use my study Bible to come up with that? So I kind of fumbled through an answer because I was distracted. And, uh, and so I apologize for that a good commentary would be super helpful for you in that regard. Like if you're really interested in that, uh, in getting into that depth, then your study Bible may not always hit things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a good commentary is going to be helpful along those lines. And so for instance, in John's gospel, DA Carson's commentary is excellent on that front. Leon Morris's commentary is excellent on that front. Um, Those are going to be, now just note, those are going to be more heady works. Those are going to be more technical works than they are devotional works. Uh, but those will get more into the weeds on some of these things. When we get into to things like this, man, how can I see this? My my study Bible doesn't have the 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 ink on the page to to give this full treatment. Again, a good commentary, whether that's uh, the the Bible Knowledge Commentary or whether that's uh, you know MacArthur Single Volume Bible Commentary, will be helpful on this Bible.org. We referenced that uh, last episode. Those are helpful too if you want to dive deeper on some of these topics. Well, another helpful resource, we've done this before. We've referenced a CSB, yep. um, the NET Bible. I think you quoted the yep. NET. Um, having multiple Bible translations, honestly, is one of the best tools of the trade because they approach the text faithfully, all yep. of them, just differently. Yep. And when they do that, sometimes those uh, those nuggets of exegetical insight are right there on the page. Yeah, yeah, they are. And we're hitting this, guys, admittedly, we're hitting this in, well, it's been about 10 minutes that we've been talking about this chapter. Look, this is there's so much meat left on the bone here that uh, that we don't have the capacity in this, and and that's not the point of this podcast. is is It's not meant to clean the bone. Um, that's there, true. There are ways to do that. We're trying to give a high level understanding here. So if you're sitting there protesting, going, "Well, what about this? Or what about this? Or 38 years?" That look, there's there's more there than meets the eye. But this is generally speaking, this is kind of the thirty thousand foot view that kind of helps give a, a, a decent understanding of the the passage there. Enough to keep plowing. Right. Chapter 10, then, Daniel sees a, a, uh, a vision, another vision. We're in 536 BC now. You've got Cyrus, king of Persia, which is interesting because we've been talking about Darius. Here you've got Cyrus. Were they the same person? We don't know. We, we, again, maybe. Maybe. Uh, but anyways, this is Cyrus. He's the king. Daniel's in there. And Daniel has this vision. And he sees a man. And this man is clothed in linen, belt of fine gold. Uh, this is very similar to the picture of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. Jesus shows up. He's got a, a sash that's golden around him. He's got flames of eyes with flames of fire. This is likely a vision of Jesus that Daniel gets. In fact, his reaction, even as he falls on the ground, uh, is, is similar to that. Then you have somebody else, though. Uh, most likely Gabriel, perhaps, as Gabriel was on the scene in chapter 9 there. Most, most likely Gabriel coming back touches Daniel on the shoulder and, and begins to explain things to Daniel and unpack things to Daniel and, and gives Daniel a picture into spiritual warfare that takes place. And this is a picture for us too as well, church, that, that there's opposition in the heavenly realms to the angels getting to the saints and helping the saints. Like this is, this is big stuff, so much so that Daniel's completely overwhelmed again by all this and, and drops, it, <laughs> drops down again. He's like, I, I don't even know how to begin to understand what, what you're talking to me about. Um, and then he's strengthened by this angel again in chapter 10 and, and prepared, I think, for what's coming in chapter 11, which we'll hit on in, in the next episode. So I just want to bring one quick point. Yeah. Sometimes people talk about encountering angelic beings 
I mean, it's out there. Not a lot of people say that these days, but I still have heard stories of people saying, oh, you know, I saw my grandma, she was an angel, or I saw, I encountered an angel. I just want to point out to your attention here that when Daniel encounters an angelic vision, it's not a, a happy situation for him. He falls down as though dead. John does it later in the book of Revelation, which we'll see, um, encountering even Jesus. We don't see, we don't, we don't think that Jesus manifests himself in toast or or meat. Your pork chop is not probably showing Jesus. A tree. Or a tree, yeah, the bark. Uh, it, that's not consistent with the way that God displays himself. And when he does display himself, it isn't without a great deal of trepidation on the part of the receiver. So just keep that in mind. I'm not saying that it's not possible. I'm just saying that when it's happened in Scripture, it's not a pretty situation. Yeah, even Mary and Joseph, fear not, right? I mean, the angel has to tell them, hey, chill, chill. Yeah, it's, it's relax, okay. it's okay. I'm not here to kill you. Right. Right, Because when holiness meets commonness, the difference is incredible and yeah. enough to strike fear in the heart of the one who's, in, who's common. Totally, totally. Well, hey, let's flip over to Second John. Can we read the whole book today? The second letter of 2 John. Man, we get to finish the whole letter. The whole thing. Yeah, it's 13 verses. So if you're like, all right. Oh. <laughs> Although maybe that ex- excites you. Second uh, John continues on a lot of the same themes. Uh, specifically of combating false teachers from First John, um, and this this idea of the early seeds of Gnosticism. Remember, Gnosticism was teaching that that the flesh was evil, that the flesh was bad, that the spirit was good, and that these Gnostic teachers, these these early false teachers, were were denying that Jesus came in the flesh. They were saying that it's impossible. Verse seven: For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. So he's He's warning them, and he's he's telling them to be on guard. Here's one of the takeaways that we have from Second John. It's okay for us as a church to draw stark lines on some things. There is, this is not an ecumenical letter. In other words, ecumenicalism says, well, can't we just reach across the aisle and shake the hands with the Catholic Church and with, you know, other other people that would profess to be believers, even though they've got a, a faulty doctrine and health, wealth, and prosperity preachers? Can't we all just get along together? And here you see an example of why that doesn't work. John's saying, look, if doctrine is being denied, we draw a line and we say, this is, this is dangerous. And he says in verse nine, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. When you're going beyond the Bible, which is what these false teachers were doing, or when you're perverting or twisting the word of God, which Christ has not issued, that's when we as a church need to stand up, draw a line and say, nope, this is out of bounds. And we are not going to fellowship with this or extend the hand of fellowship in these situations. So in verse number eight here says, watch yourselves. One of John's imperatives here is that you keep a close watch on yourself. And as he tells Timothy and on the teaching, persist in this for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers is what Paul tells Timothy. Your job, Christian, is to be so filled with the truth that you could quickly identify the false. It's that old, tired preacher illustration of handling the real money in order to detect the counterfeit. You've got to handle the truth over and over and over again. In fact, yesterday, uh, day before yesterday, actually, I had some Jehovah's Witnesses show up to my door. And I was, in some way, I was kind of excited. I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I prepare for this. I'm excited to have conversations. I like people, generally speaking, so I'm ready to, to go for it. Now, there wasn't much return, so it wasn't as exciting as I had hoped. They weren't uh, as willing to engage as I was looking for, but I was ready. I was ready because I had my sword sharpened. I was. I read my Bible that morning. I was ready to engage with them. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. You never know when they're going to come. And I'm not just talking about Jehovah's Witnesses. False teaching in general. You got to be ready. Ready to discern. Ready to put on the Bible filter. And the only way you can do that is if you're in your Bible every single day and more. Psalm chapter one. Remember that. Blessed is the man or woman who uh, does not 
hang out with the ungodly, but rather spends a lot of time chewing on, meditating on the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Which is what we're here to help you do. So tune in tomorrow again for another episode as we do just that. See you then. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.